everyone, and welcome to Dead to Rights, the podcast video for the crime genre industry. I'm your host, Donna Carrick, and today we're going to be joined by James Mathis, who writes as J.R. Mathis, M-A-T-H-I-S, and he is the author of The uh, Penitent Priest and Others in the Father Tom Mystery Series. So it's going to be really a, a delight to bring uh, James Mathis on the line with us today, and I hope that you will enjoy hearing from him about his work. But before we do, I want to remind everyone that coming out this fall in October, very soon, is going to be our new Carrick Crime Anthology titled A Grave Diagnosis, and that is 35 stories of murder and malaise by 35 individual authors. Um, no repeats in this one. It's going to be a really hefty anthology and well worth the wait. I know I've been plugging it for quite a while, but uh, I think you're really going to enjoy this one. It's got some absolutely fabulous stories. So now, please welcome J.R. Mathis, James Mathis. Hi, James. Welcome to Head to Rights. How are you today? I'm fine, Donna. How are you? I'm very well. So you are the author of The Penitent Priest. Can you tell me a little bit about that? I think that's fairly new, isn't it? Yes, The Penitent Priest was released in May of this past year. It's my first, um, it's my first published book. Actually, my first completed book. So Congratulations. Wow, that's a great big deal. Um, and I know it's a mystery, and he is a priest with secrets. Tell us a little bit about the plot. Well, Father Tom Greer, who's the main character, who's the amateur sleuth through, for the series, um, wasn't always a priest. He was married. Um, his wife was murdered um, about 10 years before the book starts. Uh, very tragic. She died in his arms. It affected him very much. Um, he was so overcome with grief that he um, left the town that they had met in, that they had, that she had grown up in, that he worked in. Um, he left and he didn't return for 10 years. In that time, um, during that 10 years, he found that he had a call to the priesthood. So he entered seminary, he was ordained to holy orders, and he began working for the archdiocese as an archivist. I, I need to say, I'm, a, I'm an archivist with the National Archives, um, and I've made my character an archivist because, well, I couldn't, it, it, it was a, it was just a natural thing for me to do. That's um, wonderful, yeah, because an archivist, now you've got to be somebody who, who enjoys research and who enjoys un well, literally uncovering things. Yes, and that comes into, but one of the things which is in his backstory is that he really used his job at the Archdiocese as the archivist as a way of hiding himself from the world. Okay. He had spent time in a monastery, we find out in the book, um, between his receiving his, or between leaving his hometown and, or the town in the book and um, receiving his call. Um, and he was, he had kind of, he was using his job as a way to separate himself from the world. Mm -hmm. However, the archbishop needs a priest um, because an older priest has a health issue. So he assigns 
Father Tom to a parish, something he's never had before. Um, just so happens that the parish is the same parish in this town that he left 10 years earlier that he was married to his wife in and that his wife's funeral was at. So there's a lot of emotion there, which we, which is revealed to the reader throughout the book. Um, he carries a lot of guilt from the night of her murder, again, which is why he carries so much guilt is revealed throughout the book. The reader finds out about a third of the way in that he feels guilty about something, but the reader isn't told until the last third of the book exactly what that is. I ask you that. <laughs> what made you write a priest? What drew you to that sort of a religious backdrop? Um, I've, I've had several people ask me that question. Um, I kind of, honestly, I kind of stumbled into the idea of having a priest as an MC. Um, I came up with the idea for the penitent priest before I even had the title, and I, I had a terrible time with the title. I, I the title is fabulous, absolutely well, fantastic. Well, I need to, um, I need to credit my wife Susan for that because I went through one title after another, and she. She looked at it, this was after she read it, and she said, I've got the title, and she came up with the penitent priest, so. Well, I'll give her my kudos. She did brilliantly. I will, thank you. She's, she's, a, she's my alpha reader. She's my sounding board. She's, she really is, I, I don't think, I, she's my biggest fan and my, and my toughest critic, so, so I owe her a lot. But getting back to answering your question, I came up with a seed of the idea for the penitent priest about two years ago. Um, and I had this scene in my head about this husband and wife on a date. They're going back to their car. They're confronted in the dark. She's murdered. She dies in his arms. He's bereft. He leaves town. And then it was like, okay, what happens then? So I thought to myself, what would be an unusual but understandable reaction to that level of loss and that level of grief. And so I was thinking, I, I thought it through and I was thinking, well, the most unusual would be for a man in the midst of his grief to discover a call to the religious life. And I thought, well, I couldn't have him become a monk because that would sort of limit the storytelling. So then I, I settled on, well, he becomes a priest. And from that, I kind of I spun out every other plot line in the story um it took me a long time to really come through and figuring everything out um so that it, it was in a roundabout right I did not start saying okay I want to write a, a series with the main character as a priest as, but for you know, a series you definitely opened up the potential because a priest can get into so many places that mm -hmm. the average layperson cannot and, um, and uh, can learn so many things that the average person cannot. And so you've really opened up the potential for a series there. Well, that is the other, that, that, that is one thing because there, there are things, a priest is in the position of, of being able to talk to people about the inner aspects of their lives to really get to know them 
in a way that more that other characters, other another MC or another amateur sleuth might not be able to. And one of the things which is I hope which is I hope a hallmark of the penitent priest is we really deal with the relationships between the characters, the interior life of the characters. Um, and I really think that this, the situation that I've created in The Penitent Priest for Father Greer um, really is going to lend itself to some, um, to some really good books, I hope, or interesting books in the future. I just Are you working this, on the second one now? This is the question. I, <laughs> I just finished the final edits for the next book, which is called The Framed Father which comes out on the, on September 1st. Um, it will be available on all platforms. Framed Father, another fabulous title. That's fantastic. Well, Are this, you ready to tell us a little bit about the plot of book two? Um, I think I can do so without giving too much away. I, okay. I, need, to clarify, I need to clarify a couple of things about about or, or add a couple of details about the penitent priest, which are important for this entire series. Um, the first thing that um, you need that the re any potential readers need to know. First of all, this is a very clean. It's a very traditional, cozy esque because it's very clean. There's little violence. The, again, the well, no violence, maybe a touch of violence, but no gore. Um, no sex, no swearing, no th nothing like that. Obviously, there's no sex because the main character is a priest. However, that doesn't mean I'm going to give him an uncomplicated life. Um, one of the recurring characters and someone who's going to be an important character in the book is, um, I refer to her as his, as his mother-in-law, um, who's very close to him, kind of serves as a maternal figure in the book, and someone who she keeps she has her finger on the pulse of the parish and of the town so she can give him information that he might not normally um have and we see that a little bit in the frame father we see no i'm sorry we see that a little bit in, bit in the penitent priest we see that a lot in the framed father so she's going to be a recurring character and for any new writers out there let me just throw this in there what james has done there is he has added a tentacle and uh, this is really important, in particular in traditional mysteries, because your main character is not omnipresent for the most part. And um, you've got to have, no. hey, you've got to have a tentacle or two, you know, to, to get him or her out into the community. Mm -hmm. No, he's definitely not omnipresent. This is told from first person. So everything the reader sees, the reader sees through. The reader only knows what Father Tom knows and what Father Tom learns. Um, so they're walking along with him as he tries to unravel this mystery. Um, and really in The Penitent Priest, I should say there are two mysteries. There's the mystery of his wife's murder and there's also the mystery of another character in the book. Um, so he gets involved with that one. The other tentacle for, for my readers that they need to know, and this adds a little bit of, I think, spice to the book, is that it just so happens that the police detective um, who reopens his wife's case in The Penitent Priest is a woman who he had been engaged to almost 20 years earlier. 
<laughs> Excellent. So there's and there's a there's still a little bit of, conflict, of James. A way to add some conflict. <laughs> there's conflict. There's a little bit of romantic tension there too, mm -hmm. which I further develop in in the framed father. But I, I have to assure people, Father Greer is both a priest and still very much in love with his late wife. So there's, I mean, there's tension, but the, it never goes anywhere. Um, now, as far as the framed father goes, um, at the end of the penitent priest, he returns um, for a time to the monastery that we, um, that he spent time in, um, in the 10 year span before between his wife's death and the beginning of the penitent priest. Um, he has returned there at the beginning of the book of the frame father. He's called by the archbishop to go back to um, the town, which is called Myrton, back to uh, the parish because the priest who is now there has been accused of inappropriate behavior with the young parish secretary and everything just spins from there. Okay. So we get, we get um, again, nothing, nothing inappropriate happens on the page, um, mm -hmm. but there's tension, there's a bit of romance, there's a bit of, 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 um, uh, well, you're writing family you strife. Readers of all ages can appreciate, is that, is that basically it? I would say uh, basically anyone who's a, a teenager and on up would appreciate it, yes. Okay, okay, very good, very good. Yes, I, I really appreciate those types of books because they're rare, you know. Um, so many of us are thriller writers nowadays, myself included, and so it's great to be able to get your hands on a book that is really appropriate for all readers. So um, readers who are out there, if you are looking for something like that, look for J.R. Mathis. Uh, James writes as J.R. Mathis, and if you look up the Penitent Priest, you're gonna find it. So you'll find his website, so. Mm -hmm. yes. Now, um, what like brought say, you to mystery, which is, uh, I know that's a pretty standard question, but it's one I always ask because I'm just interested. What brings you to crime? What brought you to a life of crime? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, for that, I owe my father. My father was a huge Agatha Christie fan, a huge oh. Dorothy L. Sayers fan. So I cut my teeth on really traditional mysteries from the golden age of mystery. And, and that's really my, my preferred writing or my, my preferred, um, subgenre. Um, I, I love a tale. I love a book that's that's a traditional, pretty traditional whodunit. But what what where my books are different is the emphasis on relationship and 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 emotion and and motion emotion as a motivation. What I'm hearing um, from James is that they really do have more depth, which is a more modern approach to the traditional mystery. So you've got the traditional mystery element, but you've also got that depth of character and that, um, it, you know, trying to dive into the psychology of your characters a little bit too. Is that a fair statement? Yes, yes, that's very fair. Um, I do that. I do that with Father Tom some in the pen, in the penitent priest because part of the process of of unraveling the mystery of his wife's murder. Um, 
involves him in facing facts that he had refused to either didn't see or refused to see mm -hmm. about his life with his with his wife about his early life with her um and really um coming to it, it deals with issues of forgiveness of mercy and and the like so mm -hmm. um and in the framed father um yeah, there's there's a lot of delving into the background of, of, of a couple of the main a couple of the characters in the book. Mm -hmm. um, I do reveal things in the Framed Father that are only hinted about in the Penitent Priest about both Father Tom and about Helen, the, the detective. Um, and I'm going to do more of that in the third book, which I haven't started yet, but I'm thinking about so. Okay, good, good. As my husband likes to say, the one thing you can always ask writers about is their last book, their current book, and their next book. <laughs> it's always on our minds, isn't it? Yes, it is. It is. I was just having a conversation earlier today about the, about, with Susan about the next book. So mm -hmm. um, a couple of things I'm trying to to figure out I'm, I have I'm nowhere near beginning to write it so but I'm going to start that start writing it within the next month or so mm -hmm. wow wow that's quite a turnaround now you had one come out in May you're having one come mm -hmm. out in September and you'll be starting mm -hmm. to write your next one in about a month that's fantastic good yeah and mm -hmm. that one's I'm, I'm aiming for February of next year might be pushed to March depending on life and everything but um I had a vision of doing a, a Christmas theme one and getting it out by November, but I looked at the calendar and I looked at, at, at my writing style and decided, no, no, mm -hmm. you just, you can't do that this year. <laughs> yeah. But you've got a really solid character and you've got a solid story arc to take you there because with the background mystery, now I was a huge fan of, um, oh, what was it? Uh, the the one-armed man, remember? Oh, the fugitive, yes. Fugitive, thank you. I wanted to say refugitive, and I knew that wasn't right. So <laughs> I was a huge fan of the fugitive growing up. I just loved it. So that background sto story arc can really help move you from book to book, can't it? Mm-hmm. Well, and, and as I'm conceiving the, the, the third book, it's really going to be the book where we learn a lot more about Father Tom's background and we'll learn even more about what led him to become a priest what was that 10 year period like mm -hmm. but um i'm not going to do i don't think i'll reveal everything about that because i like to i'd like to keep my readers wanting to go on to the fourth one exactly yeah yeah especially uh, especially as they grow to know and love your character there have to be new little reveals for them in each book. There, there just have to, yeah. So that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Now, what tips would you give to any new writers who are trying to develop a series character? In particular, what kind of factors have to go into that development? Well, the character has to, I believe the series character, main character has to be someone who can sustain an entire series. Um, they have to have an occupation, for example, where they're, they're continually in situations where they encounter people that may wind up dead, sorry, or in, in a situation where something valuable has been stolen. Yes. Um, 
there has to be, and they have to be sufficiently interesting for the person to appreciate the character themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, they can't be fl a flat character. They have to be more than just someone who well, solves they crimes. They have to be multidimensional. They have to be multidimensional, really, don't they? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And I even think, <clears throat> I think there's a lot to be said for um, creating, especially for a mystery writer, for creating a sleuth who is not always just jumping at the chance to investigate, you know, to, to mm -hmm. investigate something like, oh, good, there's a new dead body in town. I need to go there and try to figure it out before the police do. You know, he has to be, or she, the half fellow must be drawn into the situation yeah. um, somewhat against their will. Um, I have a, a scene in The Frame Father, which is one of my favorite scenes in, 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 in either book um where um the detective is is um dressing down tom for getting involved in something um he trespassed on someone's property to find a clue to, to to find a clue for something and she says you know i could i could arrest you you know you've got to stop doing this and he just basically starts screaming at her, do you think I want to do this? I'm only doing this because you weren't to follow this up. I'd be much more content to just be a parish priest. But, it, yeah. and then there's this line, which I think, I hope my readers get. Um, the line, he finally says, if, but if I have to, well, if I have to walk around like Jessica Fletcher in a cassock, then I'll do that. <laughs> I love that. I was also a huge Jessica Fletcher fan growing well, up. Well, one of the oh, one of the one it. of the things I enjoy in the, about the books is that I, I throw in little pop culture references. Um, yeah, you're going to love that. Yeah, to mainly to other detectives, but there's also one pop culture reference that's in both books. Um, that I'm not going to reveal, but that's just a personal little Easter egg I, I throw in for my because mm -hmm. for, for my own gratification. And you know, it's it's fun. I mean, also give your character again a part about making your character multidimensional. Give him a complex or her a complex personality. I mean, Father Tom is for lack of a better phrase, Father Tom's a little damaged. He's still grieving because of his wife. And, and that comes through in both books, I think. Um, but he also has a, a rather um, sarcastic sense of humor. He's, mm -hmm. he's a bit edgy about that. Um, he's not a, he is not afraid of confrontation, but he doesn't look for it. Mm -hmm. um, he does things that he knows are foolish. Mm -hmm. um, gets himself in situations that he knows full well he shouldn't be in, but he does it anyway because he's motivated by a sense of finding the truth and a sense of justice. That's wonderful. What a great, what a great um, tribute to your character. I mean, you obviously have really landed on a character that you, you love to write. Like that I do comes through. Yeah, yeah. Um, I am definitely going to buy The Penitent Priest, and I encourage all of our listeners to do the same. Look up J.R. Mathis, James Mathis, my new friend. Thank you. It was Thank wonderful, you, wonderful having you on. Before I let you go, tell our listeners where you're located, if you don't mind. You don't have to give your home address, just uh, what state city are you in? 
I live in Hyattsville, Maryland. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm originally from Florida. My wife and I were both born in Florida. Um, we moved up to Maryland 20 years ago so I could take a job with the National Archives, which I'm still working full time and writing, which mm-hmm. is, and publishing. So oh, you know, my, in there, and, and taking care of my um, nine-month-old granddaughter. So it's Congratulations. I'm, I'm quite busy. Thank Congratulations. you. Yeah. Um, so yes, that's 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 where I am. You know, and you don't uh, you don't look old enough to be a grandfather. I say that sincerely, and congratulations on your granddaughter. That's wonderful. Thank you. And those uh, little Easter eggs that you talked about—they're not just for old folkies like me. The kids love them too, and if they're curious young people, they'll go look up the references. I know my kids all do. They want to know. They want to know what our mom and dad talking about now, you know? They really do. So those kind of references, if you're out there writing and you're wondering how much is too much, well, you know, I guess you can overdo anything. But readers love Easter eggs. So give them some at least. And James, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate having you on. It was wonderful to meet you. Donna, thank you for having me. It was wonderful. It was wonderful to meet you too. And I'm, I'm just so happy to be able to share um, Father Tom and my books with, with your listeners. I want to thank James Mathis for joining us today on Dead to Rights, the podcast video for the crime genre industry. And please look up uh, J.R. Mathis's work with the penitent priest is one of his very recent novels, and he writes the Father Tom mystery series, which I think you'll really enjoy. And our thanks go out to James Mathis for joining us today. And we also thank all of you listeners for coming uh, to either the podcast or to the YouTube video or wherever it is that you find us. We really appreciate you spending your time with us. So thank you very much. And uh, thanks as always to our own Ted Carrick for the wonderful theme song, Eyes of Gold. Hope you enjoy it as it leads you out. Dusty road, a man alone. His vital signs go on hold. And I don't know what you've been told. But the years have turned my eyes gold. And I told you what you told me. We'd never be in the same boat for free, yet it rides, let it rock.